five, scores! Rick Five. We've decided to get ourselves back in the game again with our podcast. Rick Five. Probably the craziest story that you're ever going to hear about hockey. We're going to be coming back to you on a regular basis. You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan. Hello, Canada and hockey fans of the United States and Newfoundland. And an extra big hello to Canadian servicemen overseas. Well, welcome everyone to episode 58 of the Squid and Ultimate Leaf Fan Show. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan. Joining me as always, my winger, Ricky Squid Vibe. Squid, how are we keeping today? Outside of the technical problems. <laughs> well, those are the worst problems to have because I don't have anybody around here that can fix those things, Mike. But other than that, I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, that's good to hear, Squid, because today our guest has another very impressive resume who's basically done everything in the game, including making ice. Drafted 12th overall by the New York Rangers in 1983, would enjoy a 15-year pro career, formed Custom Ice Inc., uh, coached including your son, Justin, in his early years, worked in player development with the Vancouver Canucks, uh, currently a player representative of uh, Wasserman Group. Please welcome to the Squid and Elton Leaf Fan Show, Dave Gagne. Now, Dave, I don't want to ask you how you're doing today, but rather how many jobs have you completed today? Yeah. <laughs> uh. I don't keep track of that stuff. I did golf though, but so I don't. It's not all work. So, uh, although well, that, that's good. although Squid's probably golf with me, it's work when I golf. So, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I'm just I just I, I just grind it out out there, and uh, yeah, no, it's great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great to have you. Now, Dave, you're one of the princes of Wasserman Hockey. Explain to the viewers what you guys do. Is it strictly player agency? But just walk everybody through what what that is all about. Yeah, basically, we're 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 a hockey agency. Um, you know, we were uh, with Bobby Orr, um, but Wasserman came to us. Uh, they've grown their whole agency, sports agency, over the years through acquisitions, and uh, they hadn't been in hockey yet, so they they targeted us and. Uh, um, Long story short, Jeff and I agreed to go and, and join the group, and we took uh, um, some of our clients over, and uh, we became Wasserman Hockey. And uh, since then, we've purchased two other agencies, uh, the Acme Group and uh, and a group in Western Canada, Rich Evans runs. So um, it just made us a little bit more complete, a lot more complete, actually. And uh, you know, it's it's great. I mean, we got a we got a great group of uh, clients. Uh, and it's fun to be a part of their journey um, throughout their hockey careers like uh, like Squid and I had. And um, it's a little different nowadays. The players are making a little bit more. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's, uh, it, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, other than the financial part of it, it's the same kind of uh, um, things that they deal with that we try to help them through the adversity of the game and, and, and helping them uh, become – the best players they can become uh, and having the best careers and enjoying the whole ride. So um, I really enjoy it. And, and Jeff Jackson and I spend a lot of time together. Jeff and I grew up together basically and, uh, you know, have, have uh, known each other forever. Um, so um, I really enjoy it. And uh, we, we, we hope we we're helping our, our young clients get uh, the most of their careers. Well, speaking of your clients, with what's happened in hockey away from the NHL this year with the shortened schedules, no OHL play, how challenging was it for you guys trying to represent your clients first off? I mean, it's obviously unprecedented, so there's no Coles Notes booklet for guidance. Well, yeah, I mean, for everybody, it was the same, right? I mean, we were all frustrated, uh, um, but, I mean, there was a pandemic going on. I mean, we're, you know, hopefully everybody had to stay healthy. Um, there were some points in times, though, over the time when you see other other regions tackling it and trying to make it go like the USHL or the Europe uh, European leagues. Like we had some players go and play in Europe. We had some players, uh, you know, playing in the U S but they weren't allowing our players in here in Ontario or in, for the most part in, in most of Canada to play. So it was frustrating because, you know, it gets pol political too. I mean, I understand the safety of everybody is the utmost importance, but it is for everybody throughout the world. So why can some people figure out how to do it? And we, we, we didn't seem to do it. That was what's frustrating for us, but you know, we're trying to help our players as much as possible. And you just take it day by day. And um, all our guys stayed with it and when they could train uh, on the ice, they did. Uh, we tried to help them with skill coaches. We, uh, 
it's kind of what we do is uh, put together skates for our guys and make sure that they're with the right athletic trainers as well so that they're get you know getting the best advice for their strength and conditioning uh you know we, we we take on some of these kids at 14 15 years old so it's a long journey it's great dave dave would you say that throughout this well we call it a normality or whatever that uh uh, you know, do you think there's going to be a lot more diamonds in the rough guys that are going to be because guys didn't play last year. So in college, a lot of college players, a lot of junior players. So they weren't seen yeah. by a lot of scouts or a lot of general managers. So they're not going to get picked as high. And perhaps those are the guys in the third or fourth round that we've never seen before are all of a sudden going to become good NHL players. Absolutely. So there's going to be some surprises now more than ever um, from this group, from uh, the 03s and 04s and, and and even like for the OHL draft, the 05s, like none of them played. So, um, you know, GMs are going to watch skill skates. I don't know really how you can tell too much from that. So, I mean, you can't really tell hockey sense at all for sure. Um, but uh you know they you know they did as much work as they could with video they got they got video from the prior year when they played bantam or when they you know um, when the ohl kids played in the 1920 season before the shutdown um and just did their best but yeah you're right there's going to be some guys that are low picks that are going to be better than first rounders it's just it's just one of those years i was going to ask you how difficult was it dealing with the mental state of your clients, keeping them focused on their conditioning and keeping a positive outlook while not playing? Well, you know what, to be, to be quite honest, I think I was, I was really happy with how most of them handled it. I, you know, it was frustrating for them, but I think most of the guys stayed more positive than, than some of the adults. So, um, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know, like they, they just, you know, uh, all their friends were in the same boat. I think they all felt like that kind of unity about the whole process. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there was frustration and, you know, some of our, some of our clients were upset. They couldn't get jobs in Europe kind of thing, you know, because they saw some young players going over, but there were few jobs and, you know, there was a lot of risk going over there. What if there was a pandemic or, you know, they could blown up and they had to, they had to get quarantined in that area and they couldn't get home. There, there was a lot of difficult decisions to make, uh, but a lot of guys wanted to go over and play in Europe. And, uh, you know, some did like we had, as an example, Evan Bouchard went and played in Sweden for a couple of months. And um, I thought it was great. I, I told him it was the greatest experience he, he, he will probably have. Cause it's, it's not many people get a chance to go and play in a different country like that. Um, and, learn different culture and and different way of playing the game maybe too it just it just rounds out your whole knowledge of the game i think and and makes you a more complete person as well so i wish we could have done it for more guys but uh the guys that were able to do it i thought it was uh they took advantage of it dave let's go all the way back obviously to the beginning <laughs> uh your early hockey days I mean, we're going back a long way, I know. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> going back, not as far as it would be with me, fortunately for you, but like start at the beginning when you started playing hockey and, and growing up and then on to junior and, and so on. Just give us a little idea of well, what it was like growing up. I believe I believe you were in chat, correct? Interesting. There's two interesting people to know about my, my growing up in Chatham, Ontario. But, I mean – I, I just started playing uh, just like all the other kids in our area. Um, I was pretty good at it from a young age. I had older brothers that were good players. So, you know, when you grow up in a family with that type of uh, example set, the standards are pretty high. So you come home, if you, my brother scored four or five goals. I, if I only got a couple, I was, I was not very good, you know? So, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you kind of grow up with that standard and uh, eventually I left home, you know, we had a really good junior B team in my hometown, but they were all 19 and 20 year olds. Well, that doesn't bode well for a 15 year old trying to make the junior B team. Right. Um, so I had to leave, um, played Newmarket for a year. Um, it went very well, better than I could ever have imagined. I got to live with a great family there and had a lot of support and uh, had a far better year than I could have ever imagined and got drafted by Brantford. Um, and again, go going there, it was it was fabulous. We had uh, Dave Draper as a coach. I got to play with, you know, a lot of good players and uh, met Judd. Well, 
re- rekindled my relationship with Jeff Jackson. Jeff played in Dresden growing up. He was a rival of our team in Chatham. Even though they were a small town, they had that group that was really special. Um, the 65 birth years, if you're into that. But <laughs> they were they were really good. They were they were really good, and uh, you know they won their all Ontario championship every year. That team. But anyways, long story short, it was my junior career kind of went well in Brantford, and then I ended up going to the uh, Olympic program in my last year. I, I kind of I had to forego my last year of junior to do that, and it was a tough decision because I wanted to stay with the Brantford team, but you know, and and I felt like I kind of at the same disappointed some people there in, in Brantford, but you know, I, I ended up going to the national team for that year. Um, my, my final season of junior and playing for Dave King. Now, how did that come about? Uh, you know what? I was drafted by the New York Rangers and uh, Herb Brooks was the coach and he thought that would be an amazing experience for me to be a part of that program uh, as it was for all those guys in 1980, the U S team. And uh, he called Dave King and, kind of set it all up, I think. So um, with Craig Patrick and Herb Brooks, they got together with uh, Dave King and I was on my way to Calgary about, you know, a day later. And, uh, you know, I got to play with some great players, Pat Flatley and James Patrick and Kerry Wilson and Dave Tippett and a lot of good players. Oh, you know, that a lot of the guys on that team, Russ Cortinal, uh, Kirk Muller, a lot of guys, almost all of us played in the NHL off that team. So it was a good group to learn from. What was uh, what was that experience like, Dave, going to, getting to play in the Olympics for your country? Uh, obviously, NHL players weren't playing when, when we were playing in the National Hockey League, but you got that opportunity, and now the NHL players are going to play, well, maybe not the next Olympics, but they have been. So that must have been a great yeah, experience. Yeah, I mean – yeah, I mean, you know, you can imagine we were all like, you know, I was a junior age kid, so was Kirk Muller and, and, and Russ Cortnell. But I mean, you know, we had a lot of college age guys as well. Um, you know, we we're a young team and I don't think anybody, you know, that Miracle on Ice movie, it it truly was a miracle because I we, we lived it four years later and we played in those Olympics against those teams. I do not know how the U.S. team could beat that Russian team. I mean, it was the, the Soviets at the time. I mean, they, we played them. In the '84, in uh, in uh, our first game after the round robin, because we we did we did make it to the to the medal round, um, and I don't think we touched the puck. I mean, they beat us three nothing, but it should have been ten nothing. <laughs> and I think we only had five shots on goal, and Trechiak was in that. So, you know, we didn't obviously we didn't score. It, it, it was just I don't know how the U.S. I mean, it, it was uh, very impressive what Herb Brooks was able to do with that group of amateurs at the time um you know it might have been a perfect storm you know there's words you know the soviets weren't very happy the players in that group weren't very happy so they didn't play at their best that's what we hear but still i mean they were the best hockey players uh from their country they they weren't allowed to come over and play in north america at the time and we got to play against them in 84 but the the whole year for me was was uh, and i i i you know I'm, i'm sure every guy in that team would say the same thing just learning how to play the game a different way you know when you're playing north america you grow up i mean it's just you know get the puck out get the puck in dump and chase you know four check hard run the d <laughs> try to get turnover <laughs> these guys it was all about skill it was about keeping the puck they didn't even care about face off face off percentage i bet you we won every draw they didn't care they'd get the puck back and they'd keep it the rest of the game like their skill level was off the charts and it made us all realize man we've got to get a lot better i mean these guys were good. Like they were one-on-one good and they could keep the puck and you couldn't do anything about it. So um, it was, it was very much a learning pro a great experience for me to, to tell me that I had a long way to go. I thought it was pretty good, but I wasn't even close. You know, that's, <laughs> that's now, what I mean. So. So go a little bit further on that. What do you think about hockey Canada do you think that they should start looking at building some programs like that, like the U.S. Development Program, so that their their yeah. players grow up in that atmosphere and that Olympic, well, get yeah, that, those mean, Olympic experiences? Well, I think they do the best they can with what they're allowed to do right now. The CHL is going to obviously not have that. That's not in their best interest to have that happen, that program type of no. model. But they do a good job. The Hockey Canada does a really good job with at least uh, the, you know, um, 
program of excellence and uh, starting players at 16 years of age, 17 years of age, uh, getting as many players involved in that as possible, going to summer camps. Um, sometimes for us, it's a little frustrating as agents because our players are always moving around all the time in the, in the summer and we'd like them to stay still a little bit more and, and focus on just, you know, developing on, on uh, a more of a schedule and enjoying their family lives during the summer. But I understand that, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's other things that hockey Canada has to do and, and, uh, they give a lot of kids a lot of great opportunities. Um, and that's, I think we're doing a good job with that. I really believe that, but I don't know if we could have that U S program kind of thing, because I think it'd be a lot of pushback from, you know, a lot of teams in the CHL. If you have, yeah, hockey league. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, the, the fact is, I mean, some of the intangibles that can't be taught but have to be experienced firsthand are really there for you guys to grasp. I mean, just think of simple things like your boys playing against men. There's lots of travel, dealing with time zones, hotels, eating in odd hours, all these little things that are part of the NHL life that most of these kids never experience outside of some long bus rides playing junior. No, but that's what the American League's for. A lot of these people think so. You know, yeah, like, true. Basically, we call it like long run, long runways, no takeoffs in the American Hockey League. <laughs> You're on buses yeah. all the time, and um, the always what we call it the always hungry league as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I think I think uh, that is a great thing to have a national program. But I, 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 like I said, I think there'd be a lot of pushback. Like I left my team my last year of junior, I don't think it made our owner very happy, yeah, you know, losing, losing his top player, uh, one of the top players at 19 when, you know, you're trying to win a Memorial cup. Um, you get a lot of pushback, I think. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, playing as man made me better. Um, you know, but I still struggled when I got to the NHL, I still, I still had a tough time when I went to New York. It's just, um, it's a different game at the NHL level. You know, everybody's, everybody's, bigger, stronger, faster, confident. You know, the difference between NHL guys and American League guys a lot is confidence, like just the belief that you belong and can make a difference every day. Some of the guys in the American League that I played with were good players, you know, but they just didn't have that swagger. They didn't have that swagger, you know, that, uh, the you know, they always kind of felt inferior for some reason. I don't know why, but there were good players in the American League that didn't need to be there all the time. They could have could have went up. I think it's getting, you know, it's different nowadays, Squid. Like, um, you know, when we played, if you played in the American League for more than two years, like, mm, you're kind of buried, right? But now there's actually you're, you're done. <laughs> yeah, now there's a plan. Like, we've got clients like Taylor Radish, for example, he's played three years in Syracuse, Tampa, you know, now he's in Tampa, like, because maybe because of a bit of the cap, but he's a good player, you know, and now he's going to get a chance to play in Tampa. So, uh, and he deserves a chance because he's a really good player that's always played on championship teams growing up with the Marlies, Erie Otters. He's always won wherever he's gone. Uh, played for, you know, the world junior team. But now there's a plan in place for these kids. They play three years in the American League and now they go to the NHL and they're ready. You know, they're ready. They're not given up on like yeah. in our era, we were given up on if you'd played in the American League too long. You know, it was yeah, kind of crazy. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what I also like, Gabe, is the fact that I think the NHL and the, and the American League in general are using the ECHL a lot more for some of their younger players. Uh, get their feet wet pro hockey-wise. Let them play half a season down there. Call them up to the American League. Like, the ECHL is not the same league than when I coached in, in the 90s. It's a far better league now. It's, it's a good league. There's good players. And I think players... 20 years old, you know, 21 years old, sometimes can benefit from that. Get to play a little bit more, play in all situations. Yeah, definitely. Then they get to the American League and they know what to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's only 10 forwards at the East Coast League level, so you get to play more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's better than sitting on the bench. I mean, you know, if you're not going to play in the American League team you're on, it's a, it's a, it's a good level to do it. And as long as you trust the system, I mean, that, that's up to the organization that's uh, running it. So, you know, like Vegas has Henderson and they have Fort Wayne. So, you know, as long as there's a plan for the player that goes down to Fort Wayne, he knows he's coming back to Henderson. He's going to play, you know, maybe next year. He, you know, he knows he's going to play as long as he does his job. As long as he, you know, doesn't, you know, fool around and, and come out of shape. He knows 
he's going to get a chance to play in Henderson the next year. And then, then he takes a step up to Vegas, maybe in two years. So as long as players know that they're part of a plan and they're actually, as long as they put the work in, they're going to get rewarded. Not every player is going to get rewarded, obviously, but as long as there's that chance and they know it, I think you, you have to, you have to show that commitment to the players. And then it turns out for a lot of guys, you know, it's not like it used to yeah, be. Yeah. You're, you were buried before if you went down to the East Coast League in the 90s. Like, like unless, to, unless you were a tough tough guy or a goalie, then you had a chance. Yeah. If you weren't a tough guy or a goalie, you weren't going anywhere. And, you know, no, Justin like, being in Cincinnati now, I see Buffalo, they're affiliated with Buffalo and Rochester. They've got seven, eight guys down there that are under contract to – either Buffalo or, or the Amherst. Yeah. And they're getting an opportunity to play in all situations. And I think that's great for the players. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, you know, if you think about it, boys, I mean, here it is. I mean, because the minors, there's always been a belief, and I'm sure you guys probably spit in and up there, but, you know, Dave, going to the minors, everybody thinks it's purgatory. But to a young player, all of a sudden you're a kid barely shaven, playing against guys who are seasoned veterans. Sometimes they're very bitter with take-no-prisoner attitudes because they may be, as you guys mentioned, buried two years, and they're trying to get noticed any way they can with one last shot at it. So if anything, as a young player, this is a real wake-up call about what life's really like as being a pro hockey player. Would you agree? Yeah, and I I think, you know, like – uh, there are guys that go right from junior to the NHL and, and they don't really appreciate exactly how lucky they are, or fortunate they are to get that opportunity. Um, so the guys that go to the American league though, it's what I liked about last year because of the pandemic, some of our, uh, you know, top O2 two players, um, guys who were born in 2002, got to go and play in the American league because the OHL wasn't going. So we had, we had a handful of guys go and play in the American League. And what a great experience for these guys to, to go and play against men um, two years early, you know, and then find out, you know what, it's not so easy. Exactly. Everybody says, I don't want to play in the American League. You know what, it's a, it's a hard league. It's a hard league. Yeah. And, you know what you ha- and, and now you get to a point where you played five or six games, you have no points, and you're like, oh, my gosh. I'm not as good as I thought I was. Well, it, it, it's not It's not necessarily about that. It's about, well, now you got to fight back. Okay, so now you have to actually work and plan and figure out how you're going you're gonna to succeed. And that's what, that's what keeps you in the NHL for years is that, is that you know, learning your, your, your personal plan about how to, how to live every day and how to go to work, you know, um, how to get better and how to be reliable and how to be consistent as a player so your coach trusts you. Those are the things you learn at the American League level. And for for these guys that were born, you know, in 2002 and um, 2001, in some cases, got to play in the American League last year, I thought it was unbelievable. We had Quentin Byfield and Connor McMichael and, you know, Luke Evangelista and Will Cooley and Jamie Drysdale. They all got to go play in the uh, the American League. And I think it's going to make them all so much better, you know, for that experience. So... So That's from, from from an ages from an ages perspective, you got a, a situation where European. I know. I think it's over now, and I think they have to renegotiate it. European players are allowed to play in the American League at eighteen or nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. Canadian and American kids are not allowed to. So HL kids, yeah. Just, like, yeah this do you is, think that there's a possibility that will change? Well, this year it has or not. This year it has. So kids that played, I think, a minimum of 20 or 25 games last year in the American League are allowed to do it. So, you know, a kid oh, that okay. played last year, but I think it's going to be a one-time thing. But I think there should be a wild card, at least something like that, because some kids, right. they, they, they've outgrown the OHL at the 18. But you try to tell, you know, a, an owner in the, Amer- in the Ontario Hockey League, we're going to lose their top <laughs> player in the American they're not going to. They're not going to buy into that, and I don't blame them. I mean, geez, I mean, they, they've got they've got a business to run. So, um, but it, it's a tough sell. You know, the CHL is 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 controls a lot of those decisions, Squid. So it's tough. You know, it, it does make sense that some of these kids should be in the American League, like you know, like you know, Thomas Lilligren coming over when he was 18 years old. He's you know he's he's playing for the Marlies and. It's, it's more than he can handle at 18, but you know, he's playing there because he's allowed to, whereas all our kids get two more years of junior. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, 
politics and and politics, trying yeah. trying trying to get around all these things is is part of it. But at the end of the day, it's about you know these kids learning how to work and learning how to get better and learning how to be professionals. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to help. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back to you and let's talk about you a little bit and your experiences. So your draft year. The draft for both you guys was a little different in your than it is today. What kind of talk are you hearing throughout your draft year? I mean, you're obviously put up some big numbers. You're with the Olympic team. So things were going fairly well from that standpoint. Were you hearing any kind of buzz at all? Well, I'd been drafted by the New York Rangers the previous year. Yeah. Uh, first oh, round. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, that, you know, it's kind of, you know, but Squid will tell you, like, just because you're drafted, it doesn't mean – I mean, it's just an opportunity, right? Yeah. I mean, that's all it is. You're drafted first round. You might get more opportunities as a first round pick than maybe the second or third or sixth round pick, but not much. Like they, they don't have a lot of patience. So you either get it done pretty quick or you get traded or, or you, you know, whatever. And I ended up uh, not doing very well in New York. It was a, uh, you know, and I, it's, it's not just the hockey too. I mean, try to go from Chatham to, to need to Manhattan. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a little bit different. You know? And then you're dealing with guys that are, you know, late twenties, early thirties now. And they're, they're, you know, they're having fun with you. They're just carving you every day. So it's, you go from being a star and junior to just being carved every day, like you're a whipping boy. And, you know, it's, it's just all part of the game, but you know, you have to learn how to have thick skin and get through it. Um, but yeah, it's, it was different. Yeah. I mean, I did not do well in New York though, but it helped me. It helped me grow and it helped me when I, I was lucky to get another opportunity in Minnesota and I made the most of that one. Well, time. I want to talk about your draft year because the year you got drafted, but also where I was going with this was, do you find it amusing or are you amazed now at the work, preparation, posturing, political stuff that all goes on with the draft today versus you guys? All you're basically doing is sitting there waiting for a phone call for the next few days after this draft supposedly took place. Yeah. Well, we, we went to, we went to Montreal, right? We got drafted. And I remember Jeff Jackson said, you know, our, our agents just set us up. We like, they took a train there, you know, from Toronto to Montreal, took a train and lifestyle was a little different back then. Guys were probably boozing it up a little bit, but they're young kids and they're like, it was just totally different. Like, you know, like nowadays you're not allowed to do that, but. Then it was like we were treated like we we're 25, 30 year olds, and we were 17, 18, having about you know 10 beers on the bus, kind of thing, on the way down to the draft to get drafted. So a little bit different time, um, you know. We we uh, you know you kind of think you got it made when you get drafted, but you're not. You, you don't even realize you're not even close. You know, you you don't. You're you're like I said, it's just an opportunity to uh, try out for the team when you get there, but you've got to, you, they, they play for keeps when you go to pro, man, it's like, these guys are ruthless. They will, they will rip your arm off to get the puck. So. Dave, what, what do you think? What was the biggest adjustment from going from there to your first pro camp? What, 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 what was the biggest thing that you saw in the game and everything that you needed to get better at, or, you know, that surprised you maybe? That, you it, know, it was I mean, obviously you had the skill you could skate yeah there must have been something but it was it was it, probably puck battles is probably the hardest thing like you it's so hard to win a puck away from a guy that's a seasoned veteran you know they get their big body in the way and you're just like a little kid trying to swat it with a fly swatter and you're not getting a puck from them like you have to learn how to get your get your ass in front of them and and protect the puck and and you got to do it with a lot of a lot of motivation and effort and determination and i was i was a, i was a kitten my first couple of years i mean i was just so <laughs> i was so soft on the puck i mean i mean you could just like move me away from the puck like i did i had to learn how to be and you know what i had a friend tell me that like grant ledyard was a guy i played with in new york at the time he's a young guy too and he goes i go well, what do you think my problem is he goes you're weak on the puck like i can take it from you anytime i want so it's like in junior, you never, I could just go and I go end to end if I wanted, like not every time, but you know what I mean? I could yeah, beat guys with my skating, but at the NHL level, you're not being guys with your skating anymore. They can all move and, and there are men and they're man strong and, you know, they don't give you the puck. I mean, they just, 
you know, you, you try being New York Range my first year and playing against Dennis Potman or Brian Trotche. Like, <laughs> how's that for your confidence level playing against those two guys? Like Brian Trotche could do whatever he wanted against me. I could not like, I mean, it was just, he was so good. It was unbelievable. Like he was like five eleven squared and just win face-offs either way, forehand, backhand, take it to the net, give it to bossy. Another minus for me. Like it was just, <laughs> it was just, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that. Um, so I had to go to work, you know I mean? That's basically it, but you have to get a chance too. I mean, I almost got traded to Edmonton. If you can, you know, visualize that um, before the Minnesota deal happened, if I would have got traded to Edmonton, I would not have had a career because they were so good. I wouldn't have played. There's no way I would have played. Like I would have been in, you know, in, in the minors. And I think they were in Nova Scotia then Edmonton's farm team. If I'm not mistaken, but um, yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, I wouldn't have played. Uh, you know, so you got to get you got to get a little luck, and uh, I was ready for the second chance. Well, I was going to say you you were up and down with the with the Rangers. Obviously, you know there was an adjustment. Obviously, it was a little overwhelming for you going to your first camp and playing with the Rangers and how good these guys were and all that. We've we've addressed a lot of that, but. Uh, you know, did you, what was your mindset going through all this as you're going up and down with the Rangers? I mean, was it real frustration or were you just simply figuring I'm too far down the depth chart, depth chart to really get a shot? Well, I mean, you, you, during, when you're in it, in the middle of it, you're kind of a little bit bitter and, and you don't know, you don't really understand that they're right. Like they, they were right. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, good enough, I wasn't good enough yet. Like, and, at the time I was kind of like my nose was out of joint. I felt like they were treating me poorly and, you know, they sent me down. Like I probably got sent down 10 times, you know, I ended up playing 125 games, I think in new Haven, something like that. But when I look back on it, it was the greatest experience I could have ever had because I mean, I got to grow and I got to play a lot in new Haven. I mean, now sometimes these kids go to the American league and they don't even play. I mean, that's how depressing is that? Like at least I get sent down and I'm like, at least I played, I played, I played PK, I played power play, played everything, you know? I mean, so you get better, you know, you're playing against men. They're not NHL players, but you're playing against men and, you know, and you know, you've got to be successful at the American league level or you're not coming back. Right. Like if I go down there and, and totally shit the bed, I'm not playing. I'm not, I, the career is over. So that's what I like about it too, is it forces you to rev up your game and go, I got to get it going. Like, and it's not easy at the American league level, the guys you're playing with, I'm not trying to say, you know, I'm not trying to say negative about anybody in the American league, but, but they're not as, I mean, they're not Connor McDavid, right? So you're playing against guys that aren't quite, or with guys that aren't quite as skilled, you know, they bring an attribute that's very important to the game but they're not quite as skilled. So it's harder to make plays, you know, and, and you've got to do more on your own at the American league level than I think the NHL level. Um, but you learn, you've got to be the guy that drives the play. You know, you have to be that guy. And that's what I try to tell a lot of kids. It's just like, don't be a guy that waits for the puck. You've got to be the guy that makes a difference that then it doesn't matter who you play with because you're the guy that drives the play. Everybody wants to play with you, you know, but if you're the guy that wants to be relying on others, you're going to get in trouble because, you know, you're not always going to play with who you want to play with. Coaches have a say in that, right? So you've got to, you've got to change your mindset a little bit and go, no, I, I'm the guy that makes the play. You know, I, I not that you have to be the playmaker, I'm, I'm saying, but you have to be a guy that asserts yourself into the play and makes a difference. You go and win the puck battle. You know, you go and take it to the net, you know. You go and keep it alive by poking it away from the goalie or whatever. Like you, you've got to be the guy that makes a difference in a shift. You know, you know the one thing about goal scoring, uh, Squid, is like you know you always you might not be the guy that gets the goal, but by you trying to get open and going to that far post or whatever, you've created something for somebody else behind you, and then they score. But if you just stand there, you create nothing, and you you know you're just you're a pylon. You know, then you're not really adding to the play. So always trying to create something, whether it's with just movement or winning a battle or whatever, finishing a check. That's what, that's what kind of uh, I learned at the American league level was, you know, made me a little bit more of a, you know, and, and that coupled with my experience at the national league team, you know, learning about skill from playing against the Soviets and the checks and, 
Swedes and, and all that, 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 that I learned I had to get better at those things too. So, you know, it was a lot of work I had to put into it. So, but, you know, so you go back in the summer to where, you know, I was going to school in the summers, but I trained harder than ever than, than, than I used to train. Like I would make sure I was getting bigger and stronger. I mean, I'm only five foot 10 on a good day. And, uh, um, you know, so I, <laughs> So I had to get stronger, right? So you, anybody can get stronger and anybody can get faster and anybody can get, you know, better endurance and be better conditioned. And so I took care of that and, you know, and then that's, that's what I learned. And that's what we try to help our young guys with now and always staying with it. I think the one thing I know that I had for sure as a player was perseverance. I was not going to quit. I was not going to fail. <laughs> I was going to go mad trying to make it, uh, as a as a hockey oh. player, yeah. Well, that, that was good. I mean, you you were able to do that, and then you know, from then get to the National League, finally get an opportunity, take advantage of that opportunity, and then finish out a really good career. Uh, was there was a lot of guys back then in the minors though that were so bitter, and they just they thought it was someone else's fault. And I think what you just said is, you know, be the guy, take control. And be the guy to go out and, and make yourself a better player in whatever department you have to. I think that's so important. But I remember so many guys that were so bitter about getting sent down. And I'm like, hey, you know, maybe you're just not good enough or maybe you don't care enough. Yeah. I think that's so important, you know. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I can remember. Okay. So I, I just got married. Um, you know, we, uh, my wife and I were driving to Minnesota for training camp and I can remember I'd, I'd played four full seasons pro and I was, I was really ready to take off, um, as a player, I felt like I felt the best I'd ever felt and got to the border and I got my visa at the border. You know, when you go across the border squid, they, they give you your visa at the, you have to go into the office because you got to get your work visa. If you're Canadian, you're going to play in the U.S. Give me an H-2 visa. And I go, well, what is that? I usually get an H-1 visa. And they go, well, that's for the guys that play in the minors. I went, <laughs> really? So that was in Port Huron. We still had 14 hours to go to Minnesota. I didn't speak. My, my wife was trying to talk to me. I didn't speak. I was, like, so pissed. I was like, screw them. Like, so, I mean, even though I got traded to Minnesota and I played a bit the for, you know, my fourth year pro for Minnesota, they didn't expect me to make the team the fifth year. Like I wasn't, I wasn't penciled in. So, you know, you, you, you don't get handed anything. Like you gotta go out and grab it. You gotta go out and grab it. And, uh, at least, at, at least I, I, uh, you know, turn that, you know, I remember Mike Keenan saying one thing. I, I I don't care if you're negative, but it better be high energy negative. <laughs> like he doesn't like, you know, <laughs> he, he didn't like dead asses. Just don't be low energy. You can be low energy positive or low energy negative. I want you to be high energy. You can be positive or negative. I don't care, <laughs> but you got to be high energy, you know? And I agree with that. Like at least do something about it, whether you're a complainer or whatever, but still you got to go at it. You know, you know what I mean? Like you gotta, you gotta go out there and compete and go you know you're not you're not sending me that. And, and they tried to send me down that year my fifth year they tried to send me down and i went no i'm not going and they, they pierre paget and and jack ferrara the guys trying to send me down they were like what do you mean and i go i'm not going i go i just let our team in scoring an exhibition i'm not going like you, you can't just always shit on the same guys like forget it and they go, well, we've already made the roster move, so you got to go. And I go, well, I'm not, so I'll see you later. So I walked out, and I, I, I went back to our apartment where we were staying, and my wife goes, like, you've, you've gone through too much. You've worked too, too hard. Like, give it the weekend and see what happens, you know. So I did go down to Kalamazoo for the weekend. Well, Minnesota went 0-3 in their first three games, and they called me back up. Uh, after the weekend, we played Tuesday against Boston. I can remember it vividly still, you know, even though it was like 1988 or whatever. And uh, I got two goals and two assists against Boston my first game and I never went back. So that's, that's when it took off for me, but I had to like, you almost have peace of mind. You are like, I'm okay. I'm ready to, I'm ready to just, you know, I'm okay going back to school now because I, I know I gave him my best, you know, 
but I wasn't going to let them continue because they, they do that at the NHL level. You're kind of labeled, right? You're kind of like they put you, in a pigeon, they pigeonhole you and go, you're that kind of player. And he, when I got traded from New York to Minnesota, I was an exchange of minor leaguers. That's what it was, right? So there wasn't even names mentioned. So, so I mean, you know, it's kind of like you got you got to go and reinvent yourself a little bit. Well, Dave, let me stop you there because I was going to say to you, listen, I was going to lead with some say the Lord works in mysterious ways. Well, so do the hockey gods because right along those lines of thinking as you're talking in 1988, not only did you come back and play 75 games, only you led the team in scoring, by the way, by 19 points. I know you're being very modest about that. Played with an edge, had a, over 100 minutes in penalties. It's not like they didn't have good players. So you're suggesting part of your magical formula was just really confident. You said, that's enough. I'm not taking this anymore, and I'm going to go and play. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to be productive as a player. I mean, Squid, you were always productive. I mean, you, you always scored, um, and you were able to get that consistency in your game. Um, I had that problem early on, but I wasn't having it anymore. So I had to learn how to be consistent every night and kind of manufacture anger, so to speak. And when I played, so um, I was started to do that. They started putting me on the power play because I was scoring five on five. Well, that's the one thing kids go, I can't score because you never put me on the power play. I'm like, well, you know what? If you score five on five, we'll put you on the power play. Like, you know, so you, you learn you got to be a good five on five player first, right? Um, so it's kind of like it's it's it, it, it's a league where you have to really grab it. You know, you you have to learn to to get your game on the ice every shift because you might not get another one. And I learned that the hard way, but I didn't quit. Um, and I got lucky. I mean, a bit, I mean, who knows, who knows what would have happened if I didn't go to Kalamazoo for that weekend. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, it was, it, it was hard, but once you, once you do make it and you're now you're getting regular opportunity, it's not as hard as you thought it would be, you know, you know what I mean? Cause you're getting opportunity now and you're playing with good players. I got to play with a lot of good players in Minnesota, Brian Bellows and Dino Cicerelli. And then Mike Madonna came and Brian prop. I mean, a lot of good forwards that I played with. Uh, obviously I can't name everybody, uh, but, but they're, you know, Alf Dolan, Alf Dolan was like, talk about strong on the puck squid. Like I could go and get, get a water break while, while Alfie's in the corner going back and forth with the puck, protecting it. I could go for a water break and then come back. And then, okay, now he's ready to take it to the net. Like, it, it, there were some guys that were so good at that stuff. And he's Swedish, too. I didn't think they were good at that. But <laughs> at the time, at the time you know, I'm not, this is this is not nowadays because the Swedish players are complete now. But back then, you know, they had the reputation about being very good in open ice but not great in the corners. But Alfie Dahlen was great in that, in, that, in that way. But I got to play with a lot of good players, and right, and it, it became easier to be successful. Um you know, you, you first start off as a young kid and you go, this is really hard. But by the time you're 24, 25, 26, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun playing every day and hanging out with guys common, just like you. I mean, they're all the same. And we had a lot, we had a lot of good times, a lot of good times. Great. But it, but it wasn't an easy road. I mean, like, uh, yeah. and I don't think, you know, there's a lot of kids, uh, maybe even today, but more so back in our day, but there probably is today that don't think like that. Uh, it, like, do you run into that situation with your job now with some of the kids that just don't get it and you got to explain to them yeah. what they need to do in order to get there? Yeah, you try to. I mean, we're, we're in a role where we're kind of advisors, right? We're not, you know, uh, you, we don't hammer them really hard with it, but I mean, uh, we do, you know, probably the most, the most important quality to have as an athlete in any, in any sport or not just athletics. I mean, any, any walk of life is if you want to be successful, you got to persevere and you got to bounce back and figure out another way or at it, you know, that you, you've got to formulate a plan to, to succeed and you got to execute it. And if you fail, you got to revamp the plan and do it again. Like you just can't give up. Like you just, it's not supposed to be easy. Like it's the old saying, if it was easy, everybody do it. Well, there's only 700 or whatever, 750 players in the NHL in the world. Right. So, I mean, it's a lot of guys, but it's not many, <laughs> you know, nope. there's 23 jobs and there's, there's a lot of good players, a lot of good players. Like there's, there, there's really good players that we have coming out of the OHL. that can't get anything. They can't get a spot even at a camp. 
You know what I mean? It's just like, and they go, I don't understand how that can happen, but they don't see the whole thing. I mean, all the scouts see the whole, they go to Europe and they go to, they go to all these places and there's a lot of good hockey players in the world. There's a lot of good players and they got a lot of choices. Now, do they make the right choices all the time? No, but, but they got a lot of choices, right? So if you want to be one of those guys, they choose, you gotta, you gotta show fire, you know, you gotta fight. You gotta play with a lot of stank and a lot of passion and, and it can't be fake passion, you know? I mean, it's gotta be true passion. Like you gotta want to, you gotta want to play. And, uh, and we try to tell kids that and some get it and some don't. And then some kids figure it out later, you know? But, well, what I want to do is before you got to that, Dave, let's go back to where, uh, like we're down to about our last 15 minutes here, but I want to say, talk about the coaching, how you got started in that. And just sort of fast forward to, you ended up coaching your son, Johnny Tavares, Justin Vive. Yeah. Like doing a pretty good team there to name a few. Uh, but no, of course, that wasn't a, a bad team. You've were, you've been away from the minor levels for a long time, being a pro player yourself. So where I'm going with this is, but when you saw these kids play at this level at that age, what was your initial impression? And it, so it just walked. Well, well just, first of all, just to go back a little bit, we were in Oakville, right? Yeah. With with Justin, yeah. Cody Golubev, and and Sam, and uh, you know, did I plan on getting coaching? No, I really didn't plan on it. But then when you start watching the games, it changes your mind, right? You go, oh my gosh, I got to get into coaching. But <laughs> I don't mean that as a shot at anybody it's just the way it is i mean honestly yeah. if you've been a player for that long you cannot go to games and go oh i've got an idea and i want to go and translate it well you can't do that as a parent mm -hmm. because it's not really welcome right so you got to get into coaching in order to in order to uh provide those years of wisdom we've learned right so <laughs> um and you know my son had a really passion for the game we built a backyard rink in our in our home and uh he loved to play. I mean, was he the best player at that age? No, but you know, he, he had, he had a brain for the game. That was the one thing I'll say about him. No matter what anybody says about Sam, he, he was always smart, always could figure out things on the ice, could make plays, had a good awareness of where everybody was. Wasn't the fastest kid, but, but <laughs> we, we had a line. I said, I can't make you, I can't turn you from a turtle into a rabbit, but you'd be a really fast turtle. <laughs> well, and my wife would say you're awful and i go well geez i'm just trying to be honest with <laughs> but you know what he works and he, like he 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 likes uh he loves to play and he'd he'd spend 30 hours 40 hours a week in that rink just working on his hands and skills and learning little tricks and stuff and a lot of the boys would come over and um you know, eventually we started playing for the Marlies and Tavares came on. So we had, we had a lot of good players on that team. Uh, you know, guys have gone on to play pro and almost all of them went at least played college hockey, not at least, but we went on to play a lot of good hockey. Um, all those kids were special though. All those kids had great hockey sense and we had so much fun and they're all friends today. Like Justin's come to our cottage over the years. Hey, hey, hey Rick, I mean, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a great kid, it's, you know, hasn't changed much. He's just a lot bigger, <laughs> you know, um, oh, yeah. and, um, but you know, we had Tavares was a special, special player. Everybody knew, I mean, he wasn't the fastest kid either, but he could score. Oh, um, you know, and we had Brian Cameron was a great captain. Um, Brian's back coaching now in the, I think the junior Canadian system in the, in the GTHL. Um, so he's giving back now, um, but great, you know, a lot of, yeah, Kima Lou, we had, uh, Brendan Smith, Cody Golubev, guys that played, uh, games in the NHL. Um, I think we had five or six guys that played NHL games. Um, but a really special group, you know, they say good coaches recruit good players, right? So we, uh, we had, we had probably, I mean, some people say it was the best minor hockey team they've ever seen. It's probably not the case, but it's one of them. I mean, we had a, we had a, we had some good years, especially at the end. The minor midget year was a very strong year, where um, we had we had troubles when we first got together, beating the Red Wings. Remember that squid couldn't beat the Toronto Red Wings, couldn't beat them, and then once we beat them, we never lost them again, and then we just waxed them. 
<laughs> by the time we were minor mission. Now it sounds like you know, a couple of dads like, yay, <laughs> no, we did it, you know, but the kids, the kids did it. And, uh, they learned how to compete because uh, we used to call them, uh, they, they were, they were intimidated by the Toronto Red Wings at the time, intimidated, like we can't beat them. They're, they're bigger, stronger, faster, whatever. So we started calling, they played out of Chesswood. So I, we started calling them the Chesswood chicken wings in front of the kids. So just to kind of shrink them a bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so once, but once we beat them and, uh, kids started to get a lot better and, um, by minor midget, we had a really good year, and all those kids went on to. We had a lot of kids drafted really high in the OHL draft, I think, and uh, gone on to play a lot of hockey over the years. It's great. It was a fun yeah, group. Those were those were those were amazing years. Uh, I mean, I, I at that point I didn't know what the heck I, I was already done coaching. I had coached seven years in the minors, had no desire to get behind the bench anymore. All I did was sit in the furthest corner I could find and just. Love to watch those kids play. It was just unbelievable how they never get. And the funniest thing about that year was I'm watching Hockey Night in Canada one night, and you know how Don Cherry always goes to minor midget game. So they asked him about it, and they said, you go to see the Marlies play a lot. And he goes, no, no, no. He said, I never go watch those guys. And then uh, McLean said, well, why not? He goes, well, he says they don't give up the puck. I said, well, isn't that the point of the game? If you have the puck all night, you're not going to lose. Yeah. And that was that was kind of the way we played. Hey, Dave, I got a question for you. Now, even though Sam is a good player, okay, this is this now, this is as a parent coach. You still must have had to deal with the parents at some point because their Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, all wrapped into one son, was probably playing behind yours. And Rick, you could probably comment on this too, but more along for Dave. Did did you did you have to listen to any music from parents? Or did you lay the ground rules down early to get that dreaded hockey well, ball out of your face? We had, we had a little buffer. Like I was really the assistant coach. Okay. Like, I mean, I ran most of the practices, but James Naylor was our head coach, and he was great with people. Like yeah. James James could handle the crowd. Like I mean, and, and he was good to the parents, yeah. and he was able to. And he he ran the forwards. I mean, I did not. I I ran the D. So I didn't. I wasn't in charge of Justin and, and Sam's ice time, um, or Tavares's ice time. Um, so I used to say to him, like, "You better put Johnny on the ice because I can see Barb over there, and she's looking a little pissed off. You got a little red dot in your forehead. So you better put Johnny out there." So, but, but um, yeah, I mean. I think it went really smoothly, but I hear after a few years later, there was a little bit of rumblings, but, but you know, that's to be expected. I of mean, course. parents are, they spend a lot of time, a lot of money putting their kids in hockey. And you know, I, we don't like to hear it as coaches, but they, they deserve, uh, you know, some type of form at some point. So you have to listen to them because it's not all a one way street. I mean, I know some coaches like, I'm not talking to the parents at all. Well, you gotta, you, you gotta talk to them sometimes. I mean, they, yeah. you know, you, they care. Uh, now you don't have to give them, you know, an hour, but you do have to listen to them and try to at least be fair. Um, yeah, but it was fun. I mean, like I said, these kids all stick together still. I mean, they still stay in touch and um, have a really um, fondness for one another you know a lot of com camaraderie over the years because they just had so much success together they really loved it and now they're all kind of getting back into it i think you know sam and johnny are back with the marley's trying to help that organization now and and brian cameron like i said is coaching with the jrc program and steven tarasak i think is coaching uh, our midget team this year of the marley's or not our team but the the marley's team um so it's great to see all these kids getting back i mean it's uh you know what? Uh, what sixteen years later now? They're 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 back they're back into it. So yeah, thirty two. That'd be probably yeah, right. right. It is six, 16 years. Yeah, now. yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny you you mentioned that because I I coached the young Nats for one year, minor midget. Yeah, you had a couple uh, good players, didn't you? Uh, I had Skinner and Sagan. They weren't too shabby. Not too bad. <laughs> but the funny thing was. I had five parents who hated me and complained every day. I had five parents that 
were that really liked me and didn't say a word. And then they had five parents that were in between. Now the goal was to keep those five parents that were in between away from the ones that hated me. And if I could <laughs> do that, then it'd be then it'd be ten on five. So I'd be okay. <laughs> Well, Dave, now you ended up with the London Knights as an assistant. Um, you now had been sort of experienced hockey from the minor level as a coach. You moved up. You you'd played in NHL, AHL, all these different levels. And you were, and I'm even going now maybe when you became uh, director of player personnel or director of player development with the Canucks. Having watched players, the only all thing days, left for him is to be the only thing left for him is to be the trainer. We haven't got to that part yet. <laughs> yeah. We haven't even got to the part where he's making the ice too. We, so we haven't got to that. What I want to get from you is triple A kids, as they used to say, carry themselves much differently than a single player. Like they walk better, they talk better, they dress better. They just carry themselves better all around. You know, confident people have that. What was a trait you saw from all the different levels you were involved with and coached and player director they must have all carried some similar quality, no matter whether they were 10, 20, or 30. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the guys that are really, really good have an aura about them. Like, they they, they know they're good, um, and they know what they have to do to maintain that. Like, I always said, like, Pat Kane, we had him in London just for the one year. But, man, was he confident. Like, we had him in for our quarterly meeting kind of thing, and he had – I gonna say like 35 points in 20 games. And we said, yeah, it's pretty good, pretty good quarter, you know, whatever. And he goes, no, I was awful. I've been awful. He goes, I'm way better than this. He goes, I'm, I'm gonna pick up, I'm gonna pick it up. And, and we thought, okay, whatever. He likes almost two points a game. Well, he ended up getting 150 points a year or something like that. He was, <laughs> he was ridiculous how good he was. But you know, the one thing about Pat Kane that I always say to people is, when he was playing a game, if he couldn't, if he didn't feel he was the best player on the ice without question, it pissed him off. Like he was like, he was jealous. So he had to go out there and then he'd turn it up. Like if he had a bad first period, like forget it. The other team was done. Like second and third, second and third, he just like, you couldn't get the puck off him. Like in the plays he'd make around the net were just ridiculous. His awareness was off the charts. Like, like he, he wasn't fast, but like I always say to people, like the back checkers would swing and he'd get the puck standing still in the neutral zone. And all they do, and this guy's going 100 miles an hour beside him. It was a back checker. He just put himself in the lane and the guy would push him. And, and the pad would get going. Like, it was just like, <laughs> most of us are like going fast as we can, staying wide. And the guy comes and knocks a puck off our stick. Pat would just put his body in the lane and the guy would push him and they go, here we go. And then he just like, zoop, zoop, zoop. He was just brilliant. Like, I, I don't know who taught him that. Like, he just knew how to do it. He knows how to – he just knows how to play the game in, instinctively. That's that's very, very special. And he's been able to do it for years at the NHL level. I mean, he's one of the most special kids I've ever been involved with. But, you know, was he easy to talk to? No. Like, he's not really coachable because he doesn't need a coach. Like, it's just like <laughs> – Put me out there. You're in grade 12. I'm like going for my PhD. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know like, so I mean, yeah, I think confidence is probably the biggest thing. You know, you, you see guys like Nate McKinnon, he's a confident person. I met him. He's a confident kid. Like, he, he knows he's good. Connor McDavid's humble about it, but he knows he's great. Like, I mean, Connor really handles it well. I mean, and same kind of thing. Connor wants to be the best every shift. He doesn't like it when he's not the best, you know. Um. Yeah, it's just high standards, probably. Yeah, that, that's that's probably very, what I'm for. very high standards. All these kids have, you know, like Connor's not happy unless he's the best player in the world. So it's tough because it's not easy to do that. There's a lot of good players. Well, we're down to the last minute, boys. Squid, any last thoughts for Dave? We've kept him long enough, I think, today. No, just uh, fond memories of those days back with the Marlies and, and going over and watching the kids play on the outdoor rink and battle like crazy. Those games they got into sometimes got a little crazy. Oh, yeah. Those kids. Oh, I always thought it was a lot of fun to watch. I always think it's funny, like, you know, when they, they're playing games sometimes in the NHL and, like, the passion isn't always there. And I can see fans, they can yeah. see it. But I'm like – how about when you were in the backyard rank and Johnny did this to you or Justin did this to you? You'd like slash him. Like you like were so mad. Like, you know, like 
and that game meant absolutely nothing but for pride, right? So it's it's yeah. tough you, if you can get your state of mind to be the same as you were as a kid in the backyard. You know, like, you, know <laughs> break, you, you break your best friend's arm to get the puck back in the backyard. But well, it was fun to watch. I can yeah. tell you that. It was, yeah, uh, no, it's a lot of good memories. And, uh, a lot of good yeah. memories, and uh, that 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 rank is something that Sam still doesn't forgive us for for selling that house. So, so <laughs> I, I think I think I think Sam I think Sam's gonna you know when he's done playing, I'm pretty sure he's gonna try to put a rink in somewhere wherever he lives. So, yeah. well, guys, Dave, we want to thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thanks for having me on, guys. We yeah. didn't get to everything, but anyway, we could talk to you forever. <laughs> So thanks so much yeah. for having okay. Best yeah. of luck to Wasserman and some of the kids moving forward. We'll be watching yeah. for them. Appreciate and, it, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you. Good. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, take Good care. See you. Thanks, David. Yeah.